Welcome to Tech Intersect. I'm your host, Tanya Evans, and my life and work exist at the heart of law, business, and technology. Yeah, I've earned a few fancy titles and degrees over the years, but the bottom line is I'm a writer, speaker, teacher, and lifelong learner. And I'm really excited that you've joined me on this journey. So what is Tech Intersect? Well, it's authentic, empowering conversations with really interesting guests who demystify complex topics to prepare you for the future, because your future is now. And it exists where law, business, and tech intersect. Get ready to listen, learn, and leverage. Let's get started. Hey, everybody. Welcome to episode 106 on March 15th, 2022. In this episode, I chat with Linda Dunia about Super Rare's stunning curated digital art exhibition that brings together 12 artists reflecting on Black experiences and imagination through a variety of mediums, including digital painting, illustration, collage, 3D modeling, and animation. Now, this exhibition is the first of a series of quarterly features by Super Rare in collaboration with Black curators. And the goal of this program is to onboard five to 10 new Black artists onto Super Rare's platform every quarter while shining a spotlight on their work, practice, and stories over the 90-day period. It's the intentionality and allyship for me. I love this, and I'm really excited to share more about it through this inspiring conversation with Linda. Now, before we hop into the app, please take a moment to follow this podcast and then like, share, and comment so that others who would benefit from the content can find it. Okay, it's time to listen, learn, and leverage. Let's get started. In this episode of Tech Intersect, I'm wicked excited to welcome Linda Dunya to the show. And she is an artist, a curator, a founding team member of Cyberbot, and guest curator at Super Rare with the collection, a beautiful curated collection of Black NFT art with Super Rare. I saw her on Twitter tweeting about all of these amazing things, and I wanted to invite her on the show to talk about it, particularly in the middle of Black History Month. So We'll get into all of that in a moment, but first, Linda, welcome. Hi, thank you so much for having me. So I'm Linda, I'm a Senegalese multidisciplinary artist and designer and now curator, which is sort of something I started doing a few months ago and really enjoy. Mm. Um, Yeah, but I got into the NFT space nine months ago. Mm -hmm. And it's been a really fun journey of discovering how I could impact the space. I think I came in just to sort of figure out how to commercialize my work. Absolutely. And it ended up being sort of so much more. (laughs) Well, let's talk about that. Let's talk because I think your journey and pathway into this wild, wonderful world of creative NFTs is going to be really, really important for other people to hear. You're obviously very well respected in the space. And we'll talk about the artwork of the amazing artists that you curated for Black Rare, but talk about your origin story to NFT art and any challenges that you experienced, how you, you know, minted your Genesis piece. What was that process like for you? Yeah, it was actually really funny. So a friend of mine for my birthday a couple of years ago uh, said, hey, it looks like you created a lot of work during the pandemic, a lot more than usual. 
because I've always been an artist and I guess my friends knew that about me. And he said, I recently discovered uh, this thing called NFTs and I think you should totally try it. And I was like, what is that? And then he was like, you should just look it up. I don't know much about it, but I think there's a lot of information online and you can sort of create your markets um, if you wanted to. At this point, I had just been creating sort of as a therapy and outlet, like creative outlet, because I was a, I was working as a full-time designer. Mm. Um, and you can be creative as a designer, but to the extent the client enjoys that, and then you can't really sort of have too much of your voice come out. Mm. And so, yeah, during the pandemic, I just sort of had this backlog of like paintings and digital paintings and all of the stuff I had been working on. So I started researching it and it was a couple of weeks of like all nighters. Yeah. Because I feel like the more I <laughs> the more I discovered, the more questions I had. And there was at the time, so this was around 2020, yeah, 2021. Yeah. Um early 2021. There were no like single source of truth about NFTs or the blockchain. Right. You just had to sort of cobble pieces of information together from different websites and on Twitter. And after that whole period, I wanted to give it a try because it felt like I sort of understood the building blocks of like decentralization and what's appealing about that. And then mm -hmm. I saw that, well, there's this or there's a traditional art world and it's going to be so much harder than sitting on my computer and like sharing my work online with a bunch of random people than to right. try and like try to convince a gallery to represent me. So I just did it. I sort of minted my Genesis piece, which was like an old piece of work that I had done that was just mm -hmm. sitting on my lap on my laptop. I was like, let me try it with this. And then if you kind of scroll through my work online, you'll see that it's sort of, it feels like it's all the same year, but it's work that dates like years and years back. And so it's a mm -hmm. full evolution of me as an artist in like a really short period of time, all minted on the blockchain. So that's sort of how right. I started. So do you feel like it really opened up opportunities for you to connect with, well, a couple of things, connecting certainly with community to support your work. You're already an established artist. And so you have some sense of community already, but you know, the creative NFT community is a, is a different space entirely. So transitioning to NFTs, was that about, certainly connecting with collectors and potentially investors. Some people are just trying to flip it, but there are people who are in it for the love of curation and, and, and just the art, right? The artistry mm -hmm. of it all, but also the community that comes with it to really support you and get the information out. So was that an easy transition for you or, or how did that go for you? I don't think I had any idea how much community would matter. I just mm -hmm. thought, you know, like this is, these are their platforms there's, there doesn't seem to be like too many people doing this at this time. I'm just going to sort of try the technology out, see how it feels. I didn't know how overwhelmingly positive being a part of a community would feel, mm -hmm. um, especially because I feel like as an artist, I was alone. As a designer, I was in groups. As an artist, I was alone in my sort mm. of creative practice. And also, I mean, I'm I'm a Black woman from Senegal, right? For me to sort of break into the traditional art world would be, you know, sometimes I don't blame my parents for like not encouraging me to like pursue the arts because the path is so difficult and the 
the the number of people who look like me that I can look up to is is less like you know I can count them in, on one hand and I think it's mm. it's such a scary world and I think the community in the NFT space feels so organic in comparison because all you have to do is just sort of like share a bit of who you are and find people who resonate with that and sort of it starts very organically with like small conversation small group chats and then it balloons into like collectives and dows and and more formal structures and so i imagine that also propels you to want to then create and really amplify the excellence in the space because on one hand the decentralized nature of the technology really opens up markets that as you said are previously inaccessible to many artists, but in particular artists of color, Black artists, yes, women artists as well. And then if you add Black and woman, it, it just the opportunities really close up. So the idea of allowing or leveraging this technology in order to disintermediate, right, remove the intermediaries or the gatekeepers that are in art in the same way that, you know, Satoshi Nakamoto back in the day was trying to disrupt and disintermediate finance. It's a really, it's open pathways, but still it's almost like the embarrassment of riches to be able to then actually find people and find art. And particularly for those who are just establishing themselves, I imagine that that is one of the many reasons that you were looking for opportunities to curate and amplify other artists in the space because of how important it was to you. Yeah. And also there's a sort of moment where you realize as a Black artist in the space, if you've been in like around long enough, that there is there's just really no logical explanation for why artists who are as talented as their white counterparts aren't able to sort of rise as fast or have their floors increase at a similar rate. Mm-hmm. And obviously, you, I, I think there's a, this almost like rose tinted glasses you wear when you w- walk into the sort of Web3 and you imagine, well, this is a chance for us to reimagine the way we do things. Why haven't we reimagined all of the ways that we do things? Why right. are some things the same, right? And I think that's where like unconscious bias and, and often conscious bias too comes into play. Mm-hmm. I think we don't realize how much our taste and art is a legacy of like colonial and imperial structures. Like mm. what we believe to be like the image of the, the artist, the genius artist. It's it's not people who look like us, Right. We have, like, most people will just give you the reference of Basquiat. And then, like, who else? And then it's right. like, <laughs> until recently, we have more, you know, uh, people inter- uh, from our community who are starting to sort of create this resonance in the, in the traditional art, art world. It's not that they didn't exist before. There has always been Black artists and black art coming from the diaspora in Africa. Mm-hmm. It just wasn't valued the same. And I think to see that, in the blockchain made me sad, but also I think there was, there's an opportunity for us to correct tastes and to, to use the power of curation to say, here are people who are working and who are at the top of their game and who you're not looking at enough. Right. And there's no logical explanation as to why perhaps it's because none, no one, none of that, no one has stepped up to curate exhibitions with their shows and put it front and center in some of the top platforms but if I can do that, I will, because it goes beyond just this is beautiful art. It's 
it's about re reimagining the way we value art from black artists be from the diaspora or africa absolutely and i would argue that the value of the cultural contribution of black people throughout the diaspora is valued it's not paid for and there are hundreds mm-hmm. of museums around the world filled with stolen cultural artifacts and yeah. creativity um and when i think of black culture really driving culture in many ways but the issue is the starving artist need not be starving and the technology allows for at least an opportunity not only to have increased access to buyers and that direct peer to peer access to buyers mm-hmm. you know obviously we have platforms and we'll talk about super rare in a moment but in addition to that to actually be paid in an asset that in and of itself at least in the United States is treated as a capital asset so it too you know if you're on a platform that's based on ethereum or any of the platforms as well mm-hmm. when you're paid in the equivalent of that token that token has the possibility of increasing in value as well so it's not like mm-hmm. just getting paid $1000 but it maybe it's like a thousand worth of eth that over time mm-hmm. and this is not legal or financial advice but over time if we look Might at accrue. historically it tends toward an upward trajectory that's a game changer because when i think of how to really move the needle on generational wealth it's not a, just mm-hmm. about receiving a lot of income in one generation but actually amassing capital assets that actually work harder than you yeah <laughs> you work yeah. less so they work harder your thoughts on that yeah no absolutely i mean i was i was discussing this with a friend recently i feel like as a senegalese black woman living in senegal the financial instruments available to me are like non-existent. Mm. We have maybe two or three companies listed on the stock exchange. So it's so interesting that I get to sort of have my first uh introduction into investment through art because I understand mm. art. I understand I feel like I have a taste that allows me to sort of distinguish art that's going to create resonance from art that might not right so i i can speculate using art and i think it's interesting that investment has become something accessible to me through the instrument of nfts but because i understand sort of how to how art works right so i think it's been incredible to sort of be a, an artist but also become a collector over the like the past months that i've been in the nft space and i think i've collected just about as much as i've created mm. <laughs> uh in terms of art because there's a i mean there's a real sort of like joy that comes from just collecting art that you love but also feeling like you're investing in peers who you think should have a bigger platform i think there's like an extra sort of an added level of like joy that comes from that and then the cherry on the cake is the fact that you know that they're going to continue to work hard and you know they're going to continue to do better and the the you know the nfts that you have in your collection are going to accrue in value in the future because you believe in their potential so i think it's a, just a very accessible way to understand how to invest long term uh and how to sort of like you know hold assets over a long period until they vest later on which i think are such like elusive concepts if they're so like if they're abstract but with art like you can explain it to any artist i think that they would get they would get it
You love listening to podcasts, but have you ever thought about starting your own podcast? Maybe you want to build a brand, grow your business, or are looking for an excuse to talk about your favorite hobby. Whatever your reason for making a podcast, Buzzsprout is the place to start. Since 2009, Buzzsprout has helped over 300,000 people launch their own podcasts. Buzzsprout walks you step-by-step -step through the whole process and will give you powerful tools to start, grow, and monetize your podcast. Ready to get started? Click the link in the show notes to get our free step-by-step -step guide to starting your podcast today. We hope you're enjoying this edition of Tech Intersect. Our conversation will continue in a moment, but first, a word on an exciting opportunity. If you've tried to figure out crypto, DeFi, and NFTs on your own on YouTube University or podcast college, and all you have to show for it are a lot of questions, but little if any forward progress, I invite you to visit AdvantageEvans.com to get the answers you've been searching for about how to buy, store, and trade crypto and NFTs and to access DeFi safely, legally, and confidently. Advantage Evans Academy offers everything from full-service VIP onboarding to prof-guided on-demand and cohort-based courses, as well as an engaging, informative, and supportive membership club, AE Explore Live, for as little as just $1 a day. This club is for you if you want to learn from well-respected crypto education experts, like me, transform your relationship with money, generate wealth in the new digital cash economy, create digital ownership streams that lead to generational wealth, learn to vet, buy, store, trade, earn, and sell cryptocurrencies, engage in DeFi to lend and leverage your crypto, create, buy, and trade creative and collectible NFTs, and network with other crypto-curious enthusiasts in an inclusive environment. You'll gain all of that and more in a wonderful community of like-minded, lifelong learners ready to get in and to win. If that sounds like you, join us. Visit AdvantageEvans.com to get immediate access to the resources you need and deserve. That's AdvantageEvans.com. Let's go and let's grow. And now, back to the conversation really, really powerful. It's really, really powerful. And it just speaks to the possibilities of the technology for sure. Transitioning to Super Rare, talk to us about how you became aligned with Super Rare and where the idea of amplifying the excellence of voices of the Black experience and imagination in digital art came to be. So I curated a show last year with Foundation and I think it was, uh, so we created a world for cyberbot artists. So this was highlighting sort of Afri artists of African descent uh, on the platform foundation. And it was very sort of grassroots. Like we just had the idea, we approached foundation. They were like, we'll give you a world. We'll give you some space to do it. And we did it. And I remember we had 23 artists in the show mm. and almost all of them sold. I think if not all of them. And m many of them sold more than one piece. Some of them mm. even sold out and were able to just sort of get the ball rolling on like traction and getting collectors for their work. And their floors went up significantly from that event. And I, I thought to myself, like, all it took was like for us to get together and curate a show together. That doesn't <laughs> seem like inaccessible. This isn't even hard to do. And then I think a few things became clear is that people, there, there's demand for Black art. There's always demand for Black culture right. anywhere. 
but people might not know where to look for it. And I think the power of like my, just in general, like marginalized communities is to come together and to start to sort of show up as, as like, you know, one in different spaces. I think we saw the power of that from like very tangible financial returns. And then after that, we sort of kept curating smaller shows and things like that. And I think that's sort of how my, that was my entry point into curation. Mm -hmm. And I think when Super Rare became interested in doing uh, something for Black History Month, I think one thing, they, one thing they did well is that they actually spoke to community leaders. So they had several meetings with community leaders and community leaders is a big term. It's just like community representative. I prefer that. Mm. Yeah, there's no crowns. Um, <laughs> <laughs> community representatives. And, and I think they heard that, listen, we have to do something beyond Black History Month that seems very performative and very... Um, it's, it's nice, but it's not going to solve systemic issues. We have to have more representation of Black art into platforms, like over the long term, and just in general, more intentional DI initiatives so that you're not just accepting sort of uh, the homogen like homogeneous like group and expected like group, right? You, you're reaching out and branching out into all these other groups that have a lot to say, especially today, right? Right especially today. And so I think they heard and that's how they came up with the idea to do a quarterly curatorial position. It's a paid position, which I Excellent. think is also another another thing to stress. DEI is not the responsibility of Black artists or Black curators, but if it's going to be, they have to be compensated for it because mm-hmm. uh, it's intellectual property. It's a lot of energy to sort of drive those kinds of uh, initiatives. And so it's a curatorial position, which happens every quarter. So every quarter, a different curator comes in and curates a show. And the I think the good thing about it is that instead of doing a show and like promoting artists over a week and then it dies, it's, it's that you're promoting artists over a 90-day period. Mm-hmm. And so every week I'm hosting spaces with two artists at a time who get to have like lengthy conversation about their process, about what inspires their art, about what it, what they aspire to. So people get to know them in depth, right? Mm-hmm. There's threads about these artists. There's a metaverse show where people will experience the work in sort of uh, in VR and uh, the artist will be available to chat with, et cetera. So it's a it's very quality engagement over a long period of time. So it starts a, on Black History Month, but it's supposed to be like a year-round initiatives. And not just for 2022, just in general. Just right. something that Super is going to continue doing. And I think from going from, like, going from a platform that didn't seem so friendly to marginalized identities to doing something so systemically radical, I think is... I'm, you know, hats off to them for thing for having this idea. I think the uh, there's a black woman uh, who leads uh, people ops at Super Air. Her name is Sheila. I think this idea is her brainchild as well as other members of the team. And I think it's that's what you get when you have like representation in positions of power as well, right? And I think it's a brilliant idea. And I hope more platforms start to do the same in the in the near future. It's a really powerful example of intentional inclusion. Because the idea that technology is always just agnostic, people will argue with you, you know, and just say, well, the technology is agnostic and it's there and it's for everyone. That's not sufficient. And so Mm -hmm. to hear that Super Rare has found a way 
to ensure that this is not performative, to ensure that this is not just 28 days out of the year, to ensure that this is embedded in the culture of their platform and the ethos and the spirit of their intentionality is really, really exciting. And and I hope that their example is one that definitely catches on. Um, Mm -hmm. And that leads me to identifying and, and talking about some of the artists that have already been highlighted or showcased and what's to come. And I'm also really excited. I don't think I fully appreciated that this was a 90 day, well, a quarterly experience, I should say, that would go Mm. on. Um, And we have these 12 artists uh, from Afroscope. I see Ja up there, Lana and Lauren as well. Talk to and Vintage for sure. Just a lot of really familiar artists that have done an exceptional job in the space of of really creating exceptional pieces, but also engaging community as well. So talk to us about the, the some of the artists that you'd like to, to talk about who are currently be on exhibit right now. For sure. So there are 12 artists in total. Eight of them were not on Super Rare and four of them have been on Super Rare. So Lana, Moonsun Diamond, Arclight and myself were already on Super Rare. Mm. And funny enough, Arclight, myself, and Moonsun Diamond actually got on Super Rare for a show called Artex Lagos, which happened a few months back. Okay. So we were curated into the platform. Mm. We, I don't know if any of us actually applied, uh, but I know that people apply. People apply for, for many, <laughs> for many different rounds. And black artists have a, you know traditionally like send in like three, four applications, and uh, they might not hear back. And I think. It does, this was the case for a lot of the eight, the other eight artists, right? Mm-hmm. So these were artists who were clearly selling, clearly finding resonance in the community and a huge following to back that up. Incredible projects, but they still weren't on Super Rare. Mm-hmm. So it, it felt like it was easy to create the show because I was like, who is everyone? Like, who's the names on everyone's lips and why aren't they on Super Rare? Right. And that's just sort of how it happened. And I'm glad that I was allowed to bring in eight people. That's like, to me, that's a huge amount to have the sort of like ability to sort of like to bring in people into the platform and also the difference it makes in their practice. Super is one of the sort of top platforms in the NFT space, especially when it comes to curation and sort of prestige, right? And so every artist, when they get to Super, they're sort of like a step above. You can see it in the work. It's like, they meant, you know, work of different dimensions in terms of like their practice and stuff. Mm-hmm. And so I, it was great to see them just like own that moment and just create outstanding work. Like this collection just is so good. It's mm. just so good. <laughs> one, one artist in particular, Mercy, they're um, from South Africa. And I came across their work like maybe six months ago mm. in a random space. I heard them speak and I was like, oh, they're interesting. So I checked out their Instagram profile and I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> their work is so good. It celebrates um, the intimacy of black queer love. Yes. And just everyday softness. Mm. And it's so beautiful. And it's such a necessary message. I just felt like, they didn't have a big enough platform. And from that to sort of six months later, having the chance to bring them on mm-hmm. uh, super rare and give them that platform and just watch them 
take over mm. like the entire platform. So the show, they minted one piece for the show. And then since then, it hasn't even been a few weeks, maybe three weeks. Since then, they've maybe sold seven pieces or six pieces. I wow. can't recall. Every time they mint, it's like somebody's on it. Somebody's Gone. bidding on the work. Right? <laughs> it's, it's like, yes, this is, this is why we do this. This is why it makes sense. Because these artists work so hard. And they're so invested in their practice. And they're doing it when no one is watching, no one is rewarding, and no one is paying for it. And when that sort of fight, like the tangible sort of material outcomes finally start to kick in, it just feels like they've been due for a long time. Like right. It doesn't feel like they're privileged to be in that position or anything like that. It just feels like, no, they should have been here a long time ago. Right. And, and this, it's about time. Right. So that's sort of how it's felt to bring the group together. That's really, really exciting. I'm excited. And I know my listeners are just to hear this and to hear the arc of the story and to hear that it also has a future and that the future of creativity includes us. Mm -hmm. Because if we're not mm -hmm. there, there is no creativity. And mm -hmm. that's that on that. <laughs> yeah, no, that's it. I mean, aside from being like, we're always there, whether we are appropriated or undervalued, like, we're always there. Like someone is always sort of drawing from black culture to, to get to the next best thing, whether that's in pop culture or anywhere. Right. So I think we just have the chance for the first time to like have record, have proof on ledgers of our existence, of our presence and of the work we did. And in, you know, 500 years from now, when we're in a time capsule going to Mars, I don't know. And, and aliens start to pry into the, the blockchain ledgers, we'll be there. We cannot be erased. <laughs> we cannot be erased. We're going to leave it on that. The aliens <laughs> here and abroad. And by abroad, I mean in the, the universe. Because in the metaverse, we're going to be all right. But we're also, we're going to make it here too. Um, mm -hmm. Because we cannot be erased. So mm -hmm. powerful. Linda, it's been a pleasure. I could go on and on. I hope this this is certainly the first, but I hope it's not the last. I would love to continue to check in with you on the progress of Black Rare and on your really esteemed projects that you do and your own career. And you are a testament to what's going on in the space and that the idea that we lift as we climb is in good hands when it's with you. So I appreciate you very much. Please Thank tell you. folks how they can learn more about you and your work. Yeah, um, if you want to learn more about me, Twitter is probably the best place. <laughs> I will share thoughts and art and random <laughs> random stuff that I like all over the space. Yes. And on my website as well, thesandworm.com, most of my recent work is in there. And yeah, just keep in touch. My DMs are open. If you have any questions about getting into the space as a Black artist, as a Black collector, please, please get in touch. We're... We're a few of us who can help. Excellent. Well, I know that those DMs work because that's the reason that you're here. <laughs> and I will I will see you on crypto slash NFT Twitter momentarily. Amazing. But it's a pleasure and I look forward to continuing to uh, nation build with you. Amazing. Me too. Thank you for an amazing conversation.
Thank you so much, Linda, for your creativity, leadership, and intentionality in amplifying the excellence of Black artists in the NFT space. I want you to know their names. So here are the first artists highlighted in the Black Rare exhibition. Zoe Osborne from Barbados, Canada. Ja from the United States. Moon Sun Diamond from Zimbabwe and Australia. Marissa Noana from Brazil. Mercy from South Africa, David Alabo from Morocco and Ghana, Vintage Mozart from Zimbabwe, Afroscope from Ghana, Linda Dunia from Senegal and Lebanon, Arclight from Nigeria, Lauren Washington from the United States, and Lana Danina from Canada and Benin. And shout out to Super Rare for doing more than that tired, dusty, performative allyship during those 28 days of Black History Month in the United States. Definitely visit the link in the show notes to see the brilliant work in this first Black Rare curated exhibit, and then buy and amplify. And if you don't know how to purchase an NFT or you'd simply want to increase your knowledge in a safe and affirming community of like-minded folks, join my monthly membership club, AE Explore Live, for just $99 a quarter or $365 for the year. And if you use the special link in the show notes, you can immediately become an annual member for the quarterly rate of just $99. The link is advantageevans.com forward slash special. That's advantageevans.com forward slash special. Before we sign off, please take a moment to like, comment, and share this episode and this podcast with your networks. Follow me on social media and let me know what topics you'd like to hear more of and who you want to hear from. All right, that's all for this episode. Until next time, continue to shine. Stay in touch with host Tanya Evans via your favorite social media on Twitter at at Tech Intersect and on Instagram via the handle Tech Intersect. This podcast has been produced by Stephanie Renee for Soul Sanctuary Incorporated.